to an ocean of possibilities with the DKM program of the American Council of the Blind. Get connected and build a strong leadership foundation. Apply to become a 2024 recipient of the Derward K. McDaniel First Timers Award. Get curious, explore, become engaged, and focus on making impactful contributions. Apply to become a 2024 ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow. If selected, you'll be sponsored to attend the ACB Conference and Convention and learn how to navigate the waves of leadership from mentors and leaders of ACB. Don't delay. Apply today. For more information and to complete the application, visit www.acb.org slash DKM. Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome in, take my hand, say hello to who you know and who you don't and who you can. We'll give promise to your springtime and beginnings to your ends. We'll try not to be cautious, we'll be friends. Welcome in everyone to Visibilities on Friday, February 16th, the beginning of our President's Day holiday weekend. My husband is thrilled he doesn't have to put the trash out until Tuesday instead of Monday this week. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I think it is a good day for us to reflect on the presidents of the United States who have come before us. Some were some pretty great men, some we might just as soon forget about, some we have already forgotten about. Um, and but I think every one of them has contributed in one way or another to where this country is and has has come over uh, where this country has come from. And uh, sometimes, well, some of them would say about where we are today. But with that, let's move right along. I have a couple of quick announcements. One is... The ACB of Maryland State Convention is next weekend. It's next Saturday. It will be on Media 8, I believe it is. Uh, it is still not too late to register. Uh, you do that by getting in touch with Jane Corona. And um, that they've got a very interesting um, schedule lined up. I was out with a couple of their... Uh, convention uh, committee people today and they've I'm really impressed with what they've got put together this year uh, that will be next Saturday um, I know Penny's on if she has anything else to add to that than, than I have she's welcome to hi Penny hey Carrie can you hear me yes Oh, good. Um, well, I think it's just going to be a really good program. There's like something for everybody. There's info about uh, rehab services, which we hadn't had for a few years. And there's a lot of cool things happening in Maryland rehab. 
and there's uh, uh, some info about the Maryland Technology Assistance Project. Um, there's all kinds of information about libraries and books because most of us on the planning committee are committed readers. And uh, there's a great game put together by someone who is not from Maryland, uh, Maryland Trivia, and I bet she knows more than any of us about that, and that'll be fun. <laughs> we have a wonderful uh, banquet singer and speaker, Tom Kaufman. I'm sure lots of you have met Tom on um, karaoke and um, also on our blog, and he's just fabulous. So, and, of course, we have an auction. So I hope you'll register. Registration is free. Uh, the only reason you need to register is so we can send you the Zoom link so you can be there kind of virtually in person. So I hope you can come. Thanks, Gary. Okay. And the other quick announcement that I have is the Council of Citizens with Low Vision is celebrating their 45 years of service to the low vision community. And they one of the main uh, projects that they're doing for that is a fundraiser and that is an auction that it's on the for the 45 years it's guess what it's going to be on four five april 5th and anybody that um we would love to have everyone come and bid up and bid high and all of that on the auction um we've got some very very nice uh, gifts that have been donated, anyone else is willing to donate something, please get in touch with either me or Kathy Farina or Patty Cox. If you um, want to email me about, email us about it, you can use the visibilities email address, uh, which is anyone who doesn't have this memorized by now, is visibilities, V I S A B I L I T I E S. Five zero at gmail dot com. Um, I can, and I will. I'm holding. I'm in charge of putting together the master list of all the donors and and the items. And uh, so that's going to be April fifth. And uh, any donations would be greatly gratefully accepted. Uh, either items or money toward um, the cost of shipping people shipping items to people. Thanks very very much. And with that, I think, um, Ray, do you have something you might want to say? Sure. Um, the, um, the Illinois Council of the Blind will be holding its annual state convention the weekend of April 4th through 7th. Um, it's a hybrid convention. The in-person component will be at the President Abraham Lincoln Hotel in Springfield, Illinois. Um, and, of course, we'll be on Zoom and ACB Media as well. Um, and, um, <clears throat> our program is coming. We don't have our registration up quite yet. Um, we're having a few issues with the website, so hopefully we can get through all that and get that taken care of. Um, but, um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, we've got a real good program this year. Um, one agency that we have not had for a few years is the Illinois School for the Visually Impaired. We're going to have them coming uh, both presenting and speaking uh, along with our rehab update we have our new director for the illinois state library talking book and braille service sure. coming um we have uh uh just uh and we're working we're working on a couple of other things that i don't want to mention right now because they're not finalized yet so but uh, come one come all registration for virtual attendees will be thirty dollars and uh, if you want to 
we're finalizing pricing uh, for the in-person uh, attendees. Uh, and um, so if you want further information on that, you can contact our office either at 217-523-4967 or you can send an email to icb at icbonline.org. Thanks, Terry. Thanks very much. Does anyone have anyone else have any affiliate announcements? I think not. So let's get on with the show, as they say. Terry, you have a hand. I don't know if you want to. Oh, I'm take sorry. That. You're right. We do. Elizabeth, I have a I have a question. Yes. Um, I know what Alliance for Aging and Vision Loss is, and I know what CCLVI is. Is Visibility a separate organization? And if so, can you explain the differences between Visibility? No. <laughs> yes, I can explain it. No, it's not a separate organization. Oh, good, because I was I'll tell you. I, yeah. No, no dues. No dues here. Um, um, no, what it is, is Visibilities is a term that I made up. Right. Um, about 12 years ago. Right. For something else. And right. I liked it. And right. when we started doing the community calls, I said, you know, everything seemed to be focused on odds and ends. And I said, let's do one for visually impaired seniors. Right. Yeah. I got and so it. I said, I let's do visibilities, I'll call it. Right. And so, no, this is just a program that I put together each week. Okay. Cause I saw that it said sponsored by visibilities. And so, well, it, 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 I know I need to get it to fix that. Sponsored well, by anybody. Ever what means. it was, was that it, it had my our website in there. Oh, Unfortunately, okay. the company that I had the website with went out of business right. um, a month ago. And so uh -huh. we've got to take that sponsored buy out. Got it. But okay. um, no, that's right. that's what visibilities is, and uh, we've always worked. I've always worked closely with AAVL. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, our first guest on our first show mm -hmm. was Jeff Tom as president at that time. Right. Right. And we periodically do things with them and with ACB Diabetics in Action. Right. And a lot of the other affiliates. As a matter of fact, I might as well put in right now. Next Friday night. Um, it will be the ACB Awards Committee uh -huh. is going to be on to talk about the various awards that ACB gives out of uh, at convention and the deadlines for them and who the people were that um, many of those are many of those awards are named for um, and that kind of a thing. So that's that. But I thank you for the question. Great, because I I I've been around ACB a very long time and I sometimes get confused about what's a committee and what has become a full-blown affiliate of some kind yeah, because no, this is, this is it, just a, a just a yeah. one once a week show no you once do a great call. it's a great call i was well, just thank trying to you figure out, i appreciate that well it's one of the calls that has what i like about it is it's one of the calls that has a lot of information on it while people get together but it's not it's not there's a lot of i mean schmooze calls are great but this one actually has a lot of stuff in it, which is terrific, and I'm really happy about that. So thank you for doing this call. I think it's a very useful call. Well, thank you very much for the nice comments. I appreciate it very much. Let me continue now on to our guest guest. I don't want to say guest speaker, though she will be doing a good bit of speaking. Um, our guest this evening, who is Kathy Wolf. Many of you may know Kathy 
she lives here in the greater DC area. Um, she has been involved in one way or another with ACB and with um, our organization uh, for many years. Um, her partner was one of the dearest, sweetest, most wonderful people I ever knew. Uh, and she was the office manager for ACB back in the 90s and in Fesh. And that's how I first met Kathy, was through Ann. And um, since then, I've watched Kathy grow so much with her books, with her uh, poetry, and just with so much, you know, taking on so much of taking on a home and a household to manage and such. And I've always admired Kathy. And I said, you know, I would really love to have her on to tell us about her, her life as a reporter, a journalist, a poet, a researcher. She's, she does it all. And she does an incredible job of it. And so, Kathy, welcome to Visibilities. Well, it's a pleasure to be uh, on. Um, I've always, uh, you know, valued uh, all the friends that I have at AC with AC at ACB, and uh, and I've heard a lot about the show, so it's great to be on with you. Well, I'm thrilled to have you. You want to tell people a little bit about your background, if I haven't overdone it already myself, and how you got I know, to where I'm so you impressive. And how you got to where you are today, um, you know, and how you got well, into mean, the how you got into the whole genre of writing and poetry. I don't. I mean, I, you know, I I think like a lot of writers, I just started writing as a child, and you know, when I was a kid, I can remember. I think I was like the ripe old age of five, and my brother you know, was this very sweet little boy of maybe two and a half or three. And he had the nerve to play with his trucks. And I felt that was just too noisy because I was thinking of my stories and I had to have my piece to write. So I remember just going to sleep in the attic because, you know, I, I just need to <laughs> contemplate my masterpieces. <laughs> I used to do something similar. I can remember sitting on the attic stairs reading my books. Yes, yes. <laughs> was, and, uh, I had two. I had a brother and two sisters, so that there was always noise in our house. Yeah, so you could hide that, in the attic. <laughs> yeah, attics are good that way. So my folks finally just put a bed in the attic. They were like, "Okay, let the kids sleep in the attic." And then I can remember I was just talking to myself, and I was like maybe seven years old. So my mom and dad are like, "Okay." this kid must have an imaginary friend and she's way too old to have an imaginary friend. So do we talk to the doctor or what? So they asked me like, who are you talking to? And I'm like, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just making up stories. So they just gave me a little tape recorder and they were like, okay, tell stories. And um, so I just always been writing. And then, um, <clears throat> you know, I did some writing, when I'm in my 20s, I did some poetry. It wasn't that great. And I started to just um, 
do some, you know, journalism for like the disability press. And then, um, oh, I did some writing, some op-eds, some commentary for the Progressive Media Project. And I did some reporting on religion and ethics and, you know, stories like when Dolly, the, what was she, a sheep, was being cloned for religion service, which is a, I think it still exists, a wire service that covers like religion and ethics. And and my partner, who we talked about, Anne, would say to me, well, why don't you write some poetry? And I was like, no, I just should be doing journalism. But anyway, after Anne died, I just started writing poetry, I think, you know, out of grief. And I was seeing you know, a very helpful bereavement um, counselor. And finally, I guess I showed the counselor some of the poems I was writing, and it turned out that the counselor, that she had studied poetry, and she said, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing this because I don't evaluate, you know, my client's poetry, but I think you have some talent. And there's a writer center in Bethesda which offers you know, some very good poetry workshops. So she said, why don't you go there and take some a workshop? You know, I think you should have some talent. So I started doing that in around 2002, I think. So that's how I got into doing poetry. And reporting, I think I just got into it. I mean, I've just always been nosy. I mean, I've been nosy. And ever since I can remember my parents, from the time I was a kid, they were like, you ask too many questions, which is not good in life. <laughs> if you're a reporter, that's an asset. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you report on a pretty regular basis for the Blade, right? Well, I, I'm a contributor with the Washington Blade, and the Washington Blade is um, <clears throat> it, it's like the oldest and the most acclaimed um, gay LGBT newspaper in the U.S. It was started in 1969, the year of um, the Stonewall Uprising, and it um, has won a lot of awards. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm very proud to be a, a contributor with it. Um, um, and it just seems you contribute fairly often to it. Uh, as I wouldn't want to guess how many times I've talked to you on the phone, and I got to go, I got to finish this deadline for the Blade. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I, you I know, know, so I think yeah, you're, probably- I think you're very well known in that, in that, uh, in you know, among their readers. Yeah, um, I'm a well, I'm a long freelance contributor, so I, I mean, I probably have a couple of fans. I think, I mean, I, I, it's fun. I mean, it's, I mean, I get to write about everything. I mean, this past week, I got to write one. One story was a was a review of this. There's a TV show on Amazon Prime that's called Feud. That's about the writer Truman Capote and how he um, was. Well, a long story short, he he became friends with all these kind of rich society women and became their confidant. And then they didn't know it, but he he wrote like a a book which it got published in Esquire magazine back in the seventies in which he basically, well, had fictional characters, but everybody knew it was them. And so the stories revealed everything about them. And I do mean everything. (laughs) Um, So I got to write about that. Um, And then my other story was about an interview with someone. It's a terrific um, podcast. It's called blind spot, Um, but it's not about, low vision it's about called blind spot the plague in the shadows and it's about um the what 
um, the height of the AIDS epidemic, and it mainly takes place interviews people in New York, but it's talking about how um, in the 80s, a lot of media coverage was given to white gay men getting AIDS, but it, it actually turns out that lots of women, black people, brown people, children got AIDS, and it just got uncovered. So it's a terrific podcast. Um, so that's a long-winded way of saying that I like having, I like to write about all different kinds of things. So I'm never bored. I mean, I'm always kind of complaining about deadlines and things, but I'm never, <laughs> I mean, I'm never ever bored. That's a great way to be, never bored. I mean, Let I might me, be boring, but I'm never bored. <laughs> You're not boring. We've sat through a number of Kathy's uh, poetry readings and have enjoyed every one of them that we've gotten to. No one near as many the best as... One was the, I got to interrupt you and tell people about the one that we had. was a great reading, Penny, generously. Um, we had a, a book launch party for my last book, Love and Comfort. Oh, yeah. and it was a great poetry reading, but the two guide dogs, the dearly beloved Willow and Rudy, two wonderful <laughs> guide dogs, they were sitting there at the party, and the people... Everyone was very engaged with my poetry, which was fabulous. But we all looked, and the two dogs were off duty and chewing a bone, and they were looking at each other like, okay, these people are listening to poetry, but we have the real deal here. We've got this great bone. They did. I have pictures of them. It was our Rudolph, Frank's Rudolph and, and Penny's um, Willow. Willow. Willow and Rudolph loved each other. And I actually, we ended up with some pictures of them kissing at the, at, at, at that during that party. And playing yeah, I'd like to feel my poetry the with the bone and that it was it it, it was just it, it brought everybody together. I think, you know, with the poetry yeah, like and the the dogs yeah. being so comfortable with everyone being so comfortable um, and and open to everything. Um, yeah, I like to. Feel yeah, poetry that was your that was your last book. Um, no, yeah. you, did some new, earlier, you, you did some earlier books. The one that I always was impressed with was um, your Helen Keller book, which I know, unfortunately, well, is was, no longer in print. But you did so much yeah, research uh, on that. Yeah, I did. Um, well, some of the poems in the Helen Keller book are in my book, Love and Kumquats, because it has a selection of all my poems. But I... Um, yeah, for about four or five years, I was like living, breathing Helen Keller. Um, um, but yeah, I <clears throat> I didn't know too much about Helen Keller, except for a lot of people, I think especially like a lot of blind and visually impaired girls and women, I kind of didn't want much to do with her because she seemed like t such a kind of goody two-shoes. But I mean, I found out she was a founder, of the, a co-founder of the American Civil Liberties Union. She was... Um, an early supporter of the NAACP. She um, was an early feminist. She wrote in the 1904 Ladies Home Journal about syphilis and, um, you know, how people needed to talk about it. Um, and she, um, she appeared in vaudeville. She did an act that was kind of similar to Will Rogers. And, uh, Ann Sullivan, you know, who was her teacher, kind of hated vaudeville, but Helen loved it. And I found out that Mark Twain 
taught Helen when she was just a kid. He taught her how to play pool and how to spit tobacco and how to chew tobacco. <laughs> and she she was quite a character. She um she loved hot dogs. And when she was older, the people who assisted her would try to get her to eat healthy. But when one of them would go on vacation, she'd give them a quarter or whatever and say, "Hey, can you go get me a hot dog?" <laughs> I love hot dogs. I miss hot dogs. I haven't been able to, not supposed to eat them. But, oh, I uh, bet, yeah. Anymore, but uh, I, I woke up the other morning like, I just want a good hot dog. Yeah, I know how you feel. <laughs> Must be that I was thinking about this show this week. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. And then you, you've written other books, and I know you did The Love and Come Quartz. And yeah, my... You, I wanted to talk. My my new book is my newest child. It's called. Yeah, I love book. your new. I love your new your new book. I think I I haven't had a chance to finish it, um, but I, I love the title of it. I just want to know where you came up with the title to it. I don't know. Well, it's a, there's a poem called "The Porpoise in the Pink Alcove," and the poem is about this couple. It's on the beach, probably on the Cape. In, in Cape Cod somewhere, maybe Provincetown, but just somewhere on the beach. Anyway, this couple is just sitting there. And in my imagination, I mean, okay, this is poetry, so it probably wouldn't happen in real life. But in my head, this couple are sitting there, and this porpoise comes up to them on the beach. So the couple, I don't know if they're two women or two men or what, but anyway, or, or a man and a woman, whatever, they're, they're like looking at this porpoise, and they're like, wow, a porpoise, what's it doing here? And they're thinking, like, what does it want? Does it want food? You know, is it lonely? Does it want people to talk to it? Does it want people to, you know, play with a toy with it? So the poem is just, like, imagining what the porpoise is thinking. And I don't know why I thought of it as being a pink alcove. I mean, I thought of the alcove being, like, um, a, you know, like a spot on the beach. Why I said, thought of pink, I don't know, except maybe alliteration. I don't know, Terry. If we understand, if we ever understand, my, my brain will be rich and have a yacht. You know? <laughs> An ACB can have its convention on a yacht. It just came into my brain. <laughs> there we go. That's what we should do. Have a convention on a yacht. Yeah, yeah. Maybe Steve Jaso let us borrow his new one that's so big that it can't get, what is it, it can't get through the Thames River or someplace. Yeah, we, yeah. Hey, we're going to have to take down a bridge or something for it. Yeah. And we'll get a pink I'm sure it won't go through the Cape Cod Canal then. <laughs> yeah, that's sure. But um I like the I mean I'm happy with the new book. Um the wonderful Grace Cavalieri, who's the former poet laureate of Maryland and she does Grace is like ninety one and the most smartest, most amazing person I've ever met. And she still is writing books and still is doing a podcast of the poet and the poem, which was her great show on poetry, and um, her press oh. published the poem, and I mean my book, and um, and I'm thrilled because in conjunction with the book, I, I was awarded the William Meredith um, Award, 2024 winner of the William Meredith Poetry Award. That's, I was going to bring and that I'm, up. I was going to bring I'm that up. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I'm I'm unashamedly proud of that because. Uh, he, um, William Meredith, was um, uh, he, he was a poet laureate in the 
I'm trying to think, I think the 1970s, but anyway, and he, um, he, he, he died and his partner, they established a foundation to iron, to, to honor him, honor him. So they give this award. So I'm very proud, you know, to be honored because he was, William Meredith was such a distinguished poet. Um, Yes, that's a very, very distinguished award, and I, I just think that it's marvelous that you uh, have got uh, that you're a recipient of it now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's just nice because the logo of the award is on is on my Porpoise book. So, uh, for about the first ten days after I got my copy of the book, I looked at it about three times a day. Now I'm down to just looking at it once a day, but. <laughs> Tell me this. I think like, we're going to know the sad answer to this, but let me ask you anyhow. None, as I understand it, none of your books are available on National Library Service, on BARD. No, but I haven't. I mean, I, I need to try with Porpoise. And, I, but, and what's, are any of them available on Kindle or um, I Audible? Think, uh, I think Porpoise is because you can order porpoise on amazon and i believe porpoise is um i think porpoise is available on kindle so and you can get it if you check on amazon i believe it is um on kindle um this is it folks I think this, is, this is absolutely brand new book i think that's why you know it, it, it's it's very, very i'm like quick. 99 I'm I'm like ninety nine point nine 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 for sure that that porpoise is available on Kindle, and I will check and you know email you um, Terry directly. But I okay, that'd be great. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I, and I just mean, to I'm remind, sure. yeah, and just to remind everyone, it's the porpoise in the pink alcove. Alcove. I keep wanting um, to say I'll, I keep wanting to say the pink avocado. <laughs> yeah, that would have been the purpose uh, in the pink alcove is the actual name of the uh, book. I'll, would you yeah, be, I'll email could, you. Would we could we impose on you to to give us a reading of one or two of the poems from your book? Sh sure, as you know, I'm an uncured ham, so it's <laughs> um reading is not a problem so um how are we doing on time terry so we've got we're fine okay um, okay we have uh, you got all so kinds I'm, of time we have just we have okay. better than we have like 20 26 minutes okay i have five poems my poems are all relatively i mean they're short i'm gonna, so i'm gonna read them but if you if you feel you need to stop me at any time just you know, interrupt okay. me. All right. This um, first poem. How would it be if we go on and if anybody raises their hand through it that may want to make a comment about it or ask a question? We just can stop me. We just can stop intersperse me. those. Sure. Okay, great. That, that's Thanks. fine. Or I'll just mm -hmm. I'll just stop after every poem and that way. Yeah, that's that would be question. good. Okay. Then we yeah. then we yeah. can see if we got I'll any hands. I'll do I'll, yeah. I'll do it that way. So this first poem, um, I wrote it um, a couple years ago around Valentine's Day, and it's called This Is Not a Love Poem. And fair warning that if a poet says this is not 
some about something, you should get out the salt shaker and take it with a little grain of salt. <laughs> so this is called, this is not a love poem. There were no lover serenades, candlelit dinners, bridal trains, towering cakes, solemn vows. One night we dressed in torn shorts, ripped tops, flip-flops. We'd forgotten to clean the cat's litter box. The light bulb above our heads went out. Next door, the neighbor's six-year-old played chopsticks on the piano. Sure, let's get hitched, we agreed, digging in to the mac and cheese. We exchanged, ring we exchanged ringdings. Our tongues will never forget the taste. That's neat. We exchanged ringdings. I love that. <laughs> but it, you know, I think that's what I what the way it strikes me anyway is, you know, we go through so much in marriage preparation of the ceremony and the reception and the honeymoon and the this and the that. But really to me the best part of it, of our wedding anyway was us getting it was the time that we spent together alone not that we didn't love everybody that was that was you know who we had invited to our wedding but just getting away and just kind of having you know a little bit different phase of your relationship alone just between the two of you, but I mean, if you can call Disneyland alone, let's put it that way. Wow. You, know, but <laughs> you, you are, you're, you know, you can be alone. You can be very much alone in a crowd. Yeah. Anywhere. Yeah. That's, that's really true. But there's one, it's a major difference between being alone and being lonely. And I think that's oh, one yeah, of the great things sure. of a, that's one of the good things of of the, of a marriage, however it's put together, is that you might be alone, but you're not lonely. Anyway, that's I'm getting it. philosophical on us here. Let's uh, tell read us another one, please. Okay, um, this one I wrote. It kind of well, most of us, I I would bet. I think most of us who are blind and low vision or have any disability or even some of us who are older have gone through this thing where we go to the doctor or we have lunch or whatever with a family member or a friend and they might help. They might be very well-meaning or maybe not, but they'll talk about us in the third person. You know, they'll be like, oh, she'll have, you know, a burger or, you know, she feels this way or or, mm -hmm. or the server or nurse will do that. So this poem came out of the pandemic and um, it's a kind of an exaggeration of an experience that I had um, at the, during the pandemic when I was getting a COVID shot. Okay. This is called At the Clinic and it's for um, an ex-friend. At the Clinic. At the Clinic, a Hitchcock voyeur uh, I'll start again. At the clinic, a Hitchcock roar, you lurk, watching my every move, every blink of my blind eyes, every step I take with my white cane. Sleeve rolled up, I'm more than ready for the shot in the arm, the moat that will prevent 
the virus from invading my castle. But just as the threat of disease is eased, you come out of the shadows and move in for the kill. She is here to get the vaccine, you say, as the nurse comes near. Before I can begin to speak, here are her papers. You continue as you and the nurse look at each other, ignoring my, ignoring my gaze. I'd like to pillage and plunder your insides. Why not, I think? You've, rans you've ransacked my pronouns. You've plundered my eye, smashed it into a she. She's fine, you say, after I've been vaxxed, before I can say how I feel. Your theft of my eye has gone viral. It's something that we've all experienced. I experienced it just this afternoon. I was, wow. uh, you know, I was I'm talking away back and forth with the person at the pharmacy and my cab driver happened to be standing next to me and he's a friend and he was concerned about my managing to get the walker onto this elevator that's very weird. And so he had come up with me and when we finally got to the end, she just turned to him and said, can she sign this or will you? Oh, wow. Said, yeah. Where the heck did that Been come there. from? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that's it's yeah. something that we that we all live with and and deal with in our own ways, I think, every day. Uh yeah, I think we've all dealt with that. Um and I do want to remind folks that you are more than welcome with any input to raise your hands. And in the meanwhile, how about another one for us, Kathy? Okay. So this is a change. Um I mean, I love movies, I think, because I can, like, they're, you know, I can see them, you know, well, if I'm near, like, the screen or my TV or whatever, because, you know, they're big and large, and so I tend to think sometimes almost like a movie, like, think life seems like a movie sometime. So this poem, <clears throat> this poem is called The Kiss. The Kiss. At the sidewalk cafe, sipping latte, I edit the director's cut of the movie of our day. Not much action, an epic battle over spilt milk. We embrace one long kiss, eyes closed, before our bedroom mirror. We wish our smooch would fix the shingles on the roof, silence the neighbors' nervous poodles bark or at least bring world peace no such luck the roof still leaks the pooch keeps howling the boy down the block just died in a rock we fade out hoping for a better movie on another day very interesting very 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 interesting yeah so much does happen in our days that we i don't think i usually do sit back and look at all of all of it I, you know i i i me you know me the eternal optimist i tend to look 
out to see what what did I accomplish or what got what got done today, <laughs> you know. From a, but I think that's you know it's it's more realistic to look at the world the way it really is sometimes and get past. Yeah, it, I think know? I think it's kind of pessimistic. On the other hand, I guess the the guy and the couple or the woman or whatever. In my head, I sort of picture this as being a guy, but it doesn't matter. I, I think they're still hoping to have a better day. So maybe we'll all have um, a better tomorrow after the snow. We're, we're we're all getting a snowstorm tonight, so we'll see what yeah, happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll put that in our thoughts of tomorrow. We'll think of, of our thoughts of that tomorrow night. Yeah. Oh goodness! Um, Let me ask you a question. I know you've got another poem, and I'm anxious to hear it but let me let me um like to touch on something a little different for a minute and that is one of the things that i remember the first time we went to one of your readings it struck me and it always has since because i would never have the guts to do it um quite honestly is (laughs) no it's how well you present yourself and you present your poems by using I wouldn't even want to guess what font um, print so that you can still have it you know basically down by the podium and be reading it and still being able to look out at your audience so that you really connect so well with people and that's I've just always been very impressed by that with you and you know that you that you let your low vision and blindness be kind of a, a, a sec, you know hey it is what it is it's a secondary part of me it's not me and I'm the second it's not it's not the fir- the biggest and the the most important thing you know my poetry is the most important thing or yeah you know, I mean I guess that kind of thing and I you know I I just it's something that I just I think it's amazing how you do that. And I didn't know if you could give any of us some good tips on it. Um, no, no, I think it's just evolved over time. You know, if you do something often enough, it kind of sticks. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I realized early on. I remember, not that I would I remember, what, what I remember about that one, that first night was you approached the podium with it had to have been at least an inch high stack of paper. I was like, what uh, is she going to read? It's got to be like a Bible or something. It's yeah, it's that long. And as she as as and, and, and folks, as she read each page, which may have only had, you know, six lines on it or something, it would just go on the floor, and the next one would go on top of it on the floor, and then at the end, she said something about, "Well, excuse my other side," while well, she turned around and bent over to pick up all the papers off the floor. You know that it just yeah. it just made people it 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 kept people from being uncomfortable. It made people very yeah, comfortable. I, could I think relate. I used, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I I have a weird sense of humor, which helped. I think. I mean, I think the first time <laughs> I read, I just took, took one side of papers to the left and one to the right, and I was like, "This is DC. I'm going to be not you know nonpartisan or bipartisan." Or something, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I realized early on that I, I wouldn't be able, even if I wanted to, I couldn't hide 
you know, my blindness or low vision, yeah, there's no way yeah. to do that. Um, and so I figured, um, you know, it is a part of me. It's a profound part of me, but you just try to, I mean, for me, I did, it's all about adapting and having be integrated into my life. So I just sort of tried to, I just sort of try to fit in naturally, I, I guess. I mean, having my iPad helps a little bit because, you know, I can blow up on my iPad and so it's it's easy. Yeah, I think, the, I think the days I'm talking about were before iPads. <laughs> well, even then, yeah, well, they didn't. When we used to go down to that well, yeah, when we used to go down to that school that there Nora, in Silver Spring. Nora school. Yeah, yes. that's when I did that. Yeah. I mean, but before I had my, the iPad's been a godsend for so many ways, but before an iPad, I don't know what else I would have done. But I mean, um, I mean, I don't know what advice I have except. No, well, you know, I think just. I guess you said us talking about it is an interesting tip for some people because some people would never think to do such a thing. You know, some people. Well, I don't would, know. I mean, I would, I wouldn't have been able to to uh, I wouldn't have been able to read. And if you're a poet, I mean, poetry is meant to be read, and part of being a, a kind of professional poet is to be able to to have some readings. Um, or because I don't want to be a pino, a poet in name only. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it, it comes over a period of time. I I think. Um, I mean, I've learned, I mean, I practice because I try to practice my poems enough not to be over-rehearsed, but I know them well enough so that um, I try, you know, I can look up at the audience occasionally so that, you know, the audience is seeing my face sometimes so that they're not just seeing my head bent over. Yeah, the, yeah exactly. Know? And also, I can, I usually put my um ipad or whatever up high enough so that i'm not totally bent over but at some point it's like that old i think the washington post years ago had an advertising slogan that was if you don't get it you don't get so at some point it's kind of like if people aren't comfortable with my blindness there's not much i can do about it i mean um if they don't get it they're not going to get it um but it's an art, and some of it I've just learned over the years just to be more comfortable with it myself. Um, and you've done I mean, well I've with it, Kathy. It. I guess that's all I was getting at with it is that you've done well with it. Yeah, thank you. And I thought that it was just, it just struck me as uh, one of those great little low vision tips and tricks kinds of things um, that. Uh, yeah, you know, that, well, that, that a lot of us kind of forget, more. kind of, kind of never quite think to, to, uh, you know, I'd put three books on top of the podium to bring the thing up closer to me rather than, um, uh, do what you, what you did. And I think the way you did it worked out much better. Um, no, yeah, that no, no. kind you, of you thing. Do. You, yeah, know, I mean, you know, you know, and that's it. It's, you know, it, the more, the more we all, whether it's a low vision issue or a blindness issue, uh, blindness technique or what have you, I think we all, um, can have the great opportunity, especially on, I like to think on calls like this of being able to exchange some of those ideas so that, you know, you can think about doing this today and I can think about doing this, what somebody else said three weeks ago might 
might finally sink into me, that kind of thing that we all have the opportunity to learn and to exchange and learn from one another. And let me just check time too. We have 12 minutes and I think you've got one more poem for us. Well, I have two, I have two short poems. I have a okay. Helen Keller poem and very short one I was going to end on. Um, oh, okay. The, well, then let's do the other one first, and and you can still save the other the the that one to end with. That's fine. Well, I'll do the Keller Helen Keller one first. Well, one we're fairly certain um, that Helen Keller she was a you know she was a regular person with passions like all of us, and we it's we have evidence that she was got set to marry this fellow named Peter Fagan, but that her family and her teacher, everybody disapproved. So the marriage was next. Um, uh -huh. So this poem, I mean, they, they took out a license in Boston, but everybody in Alabama and whatever nixed it. She was like 36 years old at the time um, back in, this was like, I don't know, 1916 or something, but that's how things were then. Anyway, the poem is called she loved hot dogs so much. She loved hot dogs so much. Inhaling their sweat, licking their salt, was like kissing Peter on the night train, as if only their tangy passion mattered. Before her teacher's pro before her teacher's protestations, her mother's remonstrations, her brother's gun waving, against her deaf blind, mouth watering love ended their ride to what she'd always wanted, not fame or fortune, but the salted happily ever after, where kisses taste like mustard, embraces char on the grill, and love, like onions, makes the eyes water. It's, it's I don't even know what to say. Oh, I just think that's an that's, I was I was so glad that was the one that you picked because I remember when reading that years when you read it before, and that to me I love that that one in particular. Thank you. Thank you. Um, oh my goodness, my goodness. Would anyone else like to make any comments at all? Uh, or ask any questions or ask any questions about how you get into, you know, Kathy's gotten, been very involved with, um, things like, uh, yeah, I see this. We do have one hand up. Great. I'll be right with you, Nicolette. Um, there are, uh, there are a lot of uh, just so many programs around for poets that we don't necessarily know about. Um, I, I'm not sure the poets are the biggest uh, commercial advertisers on earth, shall we say. But, you know, like, I know you've done, gotten some grants and gone to some great workshops um, through the years. Yeah, I mean, I mean you're, you're and, not going to make money being a poet, I mean, unless you're... <laughs> that I can attest to... Um, I mean, but I, I mean, there's some great, you know, it's definitely fun. And I've had some fun things. One time, one of my poems 
I, I won some kind of competition that Arlington County put on, and one of my poems was on a bus for a few months, and that was really fun. Um, I mean, I, it was kind of cool to think that along with all the ads, people were reading my poem on their way to work. Or yeah, it is cool. That's <laughs> really cool. I like that. What a cool idea yeah. on, the, on, on behalf of the bus company. That is really neat. Um, Nicolette. If you want to unmute, there you you know you're not there. You are. Hi. Hi. How <laughs> are you, you doing tonight? Thank you very much. I'm doing great. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I try <clears throat> as much as possible to get to disabilities, but when I I'm 78 now. When I was little, my dad was the one who read to me, and he didn't read me fairy tales. He read me about heroes, and my two favorite ones were Helen Keller and Harriet Tubman, and it's just it's amazing it's amazing how far we've come and yet how far we really need to go but i think programs like this and acb and ccb and all the C, all the b's and, and the c's <laughs> are very valuable in this country because um on some of the programs people are talking about you know how they're treated and they're still treated very badly but when when my granddaughter was in third grade i was i've been volunteering at the lighthouse forever and so we took we took about eight people from the lighthouse, one with a dog, one was a singer. And the principal, because I was very active in her school, they divided the third grades up into two classrooms because there were three of them. And the principal said, well, they'll probably you'll probably be able to keep their attention for maybe 20 minutes or something like that. So an hour and a half later, she came <laughs> in and she said, well, you know, we really need to get the kids to lunch um before the afternoon sessions and they were still asking questions and it was right after that i was trying to make that a regular thing but then we ended up with a new ceo who cut all those programs but um this is where it begins it begins with the children and in informing them because people they're not trying to be unkind they just don't know so of course when they don't know they always do the wrong thing and so i think it's just wonderful that there are programs like this and and you are really an inspiration kathy um as you all are as we all are so thank you so so much for providing these things terry and all well, of you thank for you thank you streaming for joining and doing us. everything that's necessary to get these programs on the air thank you so much which reminds me that i don't think i that i know i didn't and i will you stop right now and thank Larry Gassman for streaming us and podcasting us. And Ray Campbell is hosting for us tonight. And I usually try to remember to get that in at the beginning. And somewhere, you know, the short-term memory isn't quite what it used to be. Life goes on. And, and Terry, can, I add, <laughs> can I add one more thing, please? Sure. Penny Valdivino and I are doing a chat on Sunday at 4 p.m. Oh, Pacific yeah. Standard Time, and we're going to be talking about um, different, different like electronics or whatever, whatever mode of whatever you did, you know, 25 years ago, how has that progressed and how, how <laughs> what are you doing now? So it should be a really good discussion. So people, please come. It'll be an ACB community. So look forward to having you there. Thank you very much. Who remembers C colon backslash? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! And and what is it? F seven? Was it F seven to print in WP fifty one? I forget. <laughs> Something like that. Oh my God! And the little video games used to sit 
I used to sit at the kitchen table and play, and each game had you had to have its had its own device, little device. God, when I think of that, oh. And some of them were real sickies, real sicky games. Oh, and one more thing: somebody gave my daughter a computer when she was about eight, and it was a, I think it was, I think it was a Comcast. And every time she opened it up, she had to reprogram it in order to be able to work on it. And she, <laughs> She's 46 now, so that was, what, 38 years ago? <laughs> well, actually, yesterday would have been my mother's 97th birthday. She passed oh. away uh, like six years ago. But she and my father, back in the, I don't know, when would it have been, the mid-70s or something, they won a compact, what was that, what were those called? Compact 68? Compact 60. They were like one of those really early uh, Radio Shack computers. That's it, Compact, rather, not Comcast. Yeah, thank you. The Compact. They won. They won one of those, and the two of them learned to play uh, uh, Pac-Man on it. And, you know, <laughs> we would come in from out dating or what ha from being out on a date or what have you, that we had to be home by one thirty or whatever, and. They two of them would still be sitting up at four o'clock playing Pac-Man on the Commodore. The Commodore. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yep. <laughs> oh my God. I remember. They'd be up all. They'd be up three quarters of the night playing on the com sure. what was it, Commodore sixty four. Commodore. Was it? Oh yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my God. Those are. I remember getting a computer and it had twenty megs. And we thought that was a ton. We, we thought, thought that, that was, was great. That was so oh. cool. Or that with was... the floppy with the floppy disks. Yep. Yes. And the real floppy floppy yes. ones. Yeah. And I I I I I punch I I put braille dots. I had something in, in, I had one of them in a backpack with some braille and it actually made indentations and made it unusable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, yes, it was Quite the time. time. I remember my sister worked for a company, and she was putting in. They wanted to see if they could make that. She worked for the soup of her grocery store chain, and to get their information across to one another in the middle of the night, to their data, they were going to try. And she had it at my house because it was the only one they had. And all of this, a ninety-six hundred. Modem, bud, bud, ninety six hundred bud, yeah. Modem. They weren't. They were not sure that that was gonna that it could possibly translate mm -hmm. transfer information that quickly. <laughs> wow. Oh my goodness. Anyway, we're running late. We're getting reminiscent. Kathy, thank you so much for a great night. Yeah, I thank, thank you, you very much. Pleasure. I'm. I, I hope everybody gets a chance to read The Porpoise in the Pink Alcove and think about the things that you do in the inter in various parts of the entertainment genre that have become your career, as whether you're young or a senior or anyone in between. And I thank you all for being with us this week, and I'll see you next Friday night with the ACB Awards Committee. <laughs>